morning. Thanks for bearing with us as we got things sorted out, and we know we've turned this way this week, so, you know, things are kind of tilted in all of our lives right now. Bethany is an inclusive faith community. No matter who you are, and no matter where you're from, and no matter where you're sheltering, you are welcome here. I'm so glad you decided to join us this morning. We are dispersed throughout the city, throughout the state, throughout our country, around the world. And yet we are one together. So I want to invite you to pause and center our hearts together. Take a breath with me. That is the very breath of creation. It is the spirit moving in all of humanity. In each breath, we are connected to one another. Now place a hand on your heart. Feel your heart beating. That heartbeat ties all of us together. It is the constant companion of love. And as you connect with your heart center, know this. You are a child of God, holy and beloved. Nothing, nothing can take that identity from you. You are a child of God, holy and beloved.
we come to my favorite part, a story for the children. So gather close, come on up. I hope you've had a good week. I hope you've had a chance to play outside. I hope whatever learning you're doing at home has been fun, not just for you, but for your parents too. I have a story this morning that's about Easter. Easter's not just a day, it's seven weeks. It goes on and on. So I have another Easter story for us this morning. It starts actually when Jesus died, which was a very sad day. His friends were very sad as they took him and put him in the tomb. A tomb is a place where you put people who've died. It's kind of carved out of rock, and then they put a big rock in front of the opening. It was such a sad day. Jesus' friends went home, and they couldn't be with Jesus anymore. They couldn't talk to Jesus anymore. What a sad day. Some ladies said, we love Jesus too. Let's go and see the place where they put him. So the ladies went, walking and talking as they went. And they said, who will move the big stone away for us? But when they got there, the big stone was rolled away. One of God's angels had moved it. The ladies went inside. They looked this way, but Jesus wasn't there. They looked that way, but Jesus wasn't there. And then they saw an angel. Don't be afraid, the angel said. Don't be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus. He's not here. He's not dead anymore. He's alive. Go and tell his friends Jesus is alive. Well, the ladies were afraid. But they were happy, too. Run, ladies. Run fast. Tell Jesus' friends. And away they went. What a happy day. Away they went, and Jesus met them. Good morning, he said. The ladies stopped. They looked at Jesus. They touched him. He was alive. What a happy day. Don't be afraid, he said. Go and tell my friends, that I am alive and that they will see me. What a happy day. The ladies ran. They ran fast. They ran to tell Jesus' friends, he's alive, we saw him, he's alive. And that is the Easter story. I hope afterwards you can talk with your parents about this and talk with each other. What makes for a sad day for you? And what makes for a happy day for you? How is Jesus with you? I'm going to invite you to pray with me. You could 
repeat after me if you'd like. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for being with us on sad days and on happy days. Amen. Our text for today is Luke chapter 24, verses 13 to 35. That's Luke chapter 24, verses 13 to 35. It's a long passage, so I'm going to read the beginning and then summarize the middle and then read the end. And I'm reading from the message today, which is a paraphrase of the Bible by a man named Eugene Peterson. So listen now for the word of the Lord in Luke 24, beginning in verse 13. That same day, this is Easter, two of them were walking to the village called Emmaus. It's about seven miles outside of Jerusalem. They were deep in conversation, going over all these things that had happened. In the middle of their talk and questions, Jesus came up and walked alongside them. But they were prevented from recognizing who he was. Jesus asked them what they were discussing, and they were really sad. And they said, don't you know what's been going on? And they told him about how they had all these hopes in Jesus. And that those had all been disappointed. They thought he was going to be the one to save and liberate them. But he had been executed. And then Jesus began to explain how the scriptures have always said that the Messiah would suffer and would die. That suffering and death are an inextricable part of life. And that before there could be new life, there had to be this suffering or death. Finally, they got to where they were going. And Jesus made to go on further. But they said, stop, stop, stay with us. Come have dinner with us. So he went in with them. And this is what happened. As had happened so many times before, he took bread, and he blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And then he disappeared. And they said to one another, weren't our hearts burning within us along the road? And they got up right then and ran back to Jerusalem to tell the other disciples what they had seen. The word of God for the people of God. And thanks be to God. One of my favorite authors says this is the story of two nobodies on the road to nowhere. <laughs> and it's true. We have no idea who these people are. This is the only time Cleopas is mentioned. We don't know who he was, and we definitely don't know who his friend was. They're never named. And some people think that might be a sign that this was a woman that Cleopas was walking with, maybe his wife. But we don't know. And we don't really know where they're going. There's not any record of a place named Emmaus. It's never been found in an archaeological dig, and there's no other record of it existing. This is two nobodies on the road to nowhere. And I love that because it means there's space for us in the story. There's space for me in the story. 
we can imagine ourselves in this story. They're walking along, and they don't see Jesus. And I need a story like that. I want to be honest. This has been a hard Easter season for me. I haven't seen a lot of signs of resurrection. I mostly see the struggle we're all living with. I don't see a lot of new life. I want to, but I haven't. And maybe that's how it's been for you, too. Maybe this is a hard Easter for you. Maybe you're having trouble seeing, too. One interesting thing in this passage is that it says they were kept from seeing. It wasn't that they just didn't see right. It's that they were kept, prevented from seeing. The implication is that God prevented them from seeing. Strange, isn't it? Why on earth would that be? I've been thinking about that. I wonder if there are some hidden blessings in why they were kept or prevented from seeing. It certainly made them more vulnerable. It gave them more space to feel their real feelings. Maybe they were able to be more open and honest with this stranger than they would have been if they'd known they were talking to the person they admired most in the whole world. When we're with our mentors or the people we most admire, we put on a good face. Sometimes with a stranger, it just all comes pouring out. They were able to really say what was going on for them. And maybe... Not seeing meant they could imagine more possibilities, maybe. And sometimes when we're in the midst of deep suffering, the last thing we want to hear is someone saying, well, God's here, don't worry. It can seem so trite and dismissive. So maybe it was a gift that they didn't see it. They go along the road, not seeing. And then they get to this house where they've been going. And they encourage Jesus and beg him to stay. No, stay with us. Don't go on. Have dinner. Some strange things always happen when you extend hospitality to strangers. So Jesus stays. And it's my favorite part. He sits with them. He takes the bread. He blesses it. He breaks it. He gives it to them, and their eyes are open. They see, and then he disappears. He's gone. And they look at one another and say, didn't we know it all along? Looking back, weren't our hearts burning within us? In retrospect, it looks totally In retrospect, it looks totally different. 
all of us are going through some sort of struggle right now, and it's different struggles for different ones of us. Some of us don't know how we're going to pay rent. Some of us are being crushed by solitude. Some of us have way too much chaos in our lives. Some of us are grieving. Some of us are very ill. We each have a struggle of some sort. And it does not feel necessarily like God is with us. But I've been wondering, how will this look in retrospect? So often we only see God when we look back on our experiences, and it looks different. How will this look in six months? How will this look in a year? What will this look like a decade from now? What will we see that we haven't been able to see right now? I am not going to say that this is all okay. I am not going to say that there is a good reason why loved ones have lost jobs or are incredibly lonely or that there's incredible inequality, or that folks are dying. There is no adequate answer for that. But I am convinced that God permeates our world, that the one who suffered walks with us in our suffering, and that the way it looks today is not the way it is always going to look. I am convinced of that. And so we walk along together, Trusting that nothing, nothing stops resurrection. Amen.
to Bethany and you've been worshiping with us online, I would love the chance to get to know you. And I'd love the chance to share a little bit more about our community and maybe connect you with one of the small groups that meets during the week. If you're interested in that, I invite you to email me, pastor.wiles at gmail.com, or just send me a direct message through Facebook. I would love to connect with you and hear some of your story. We pray with and for one another each week. So I want to invite you to share what's on your mind, what's breaking your heart, what's worrying you. Where do you need to feel the presence of God more clearly? From Jeannie Sagel, prayers for her friend Sue, whose father died of COVID-19 this week. God, in your mercy, hear our prayers. But what else shall we pray this week? From Carolyn Van Larder Hinkle, her daughter-in-law's Aunt Barbara is still in the hospital, and Barbara's father died this week from COVID. God, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Prayers from Betty Knopf for endurance during a time when special ed teachers are being told that they have to add to their already busy work schedules with new requirements. She is exhausted, and she knows expectations are increasing. God, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Prayers from Leah Coakley for patience to give to her children. She needs, and lots of us need, much more than we had this week. God, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Are there others? Prayers from Margaret Holland prays that her husband accepted a job offer this week. He's been out of work since December. God, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Prayers for the family of Bill Byrne, a Bates friend of Gwen Saylor's, who died of COVID this week. God, in your mercy, hear our prayers. From David Alger, prayers of thanksgiving for the beauty of the park and friendly exchanges with strangers. God, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Prayers from Virginia Priest for her brother-in-law, Philip, who's in critical condition on a ventilator with COVID-19. God, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Let's continue our prayer. Gracious God, it feels more this week like death is surrounding us. We give you thanks for the lives of those we've lost. We pray you'd surround all those who are grieving with your love. Help us to trust in you, no matter what. We give you thanks for the beauty of this day. It's glorious. Help us soak it up in all the blessing that it is. Give us the strength to continue, 
whatever our personal reality might be. Give us big hearts that can circle the world. Help us remember that even if we are lonely, we are not alone. We are in this together. We pray this in your name, trusting you walk beside us even when we do not see it or feel it. We pray as you taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. We are able to be the community we are because of your generosity. Your gifts of resources and tithe support this community. I am so grateful for the ways you give generously. If you're new and you haven't had a chance to give, or if you've been around a long time and haven't given before, invite you to do that at bethanytacoma.org backslash give. Your gifts help us support our staff during this time. You can also write us a check, drop it in the mail, or set up a direct deposit from your bank. However you choose to give, we are grateful. And all of our giving, whatever form it takes, grows out of gratitude. So I want to take a moment and let us offer up our gratitude. We have gratitude for Bethany leaders, and your leaders have gratitude for you. Thank goodness. What else are you grateful for today? Betty Knopf is grateful that she's finished packing up her classroom and that her back will now have a chance to rest. Thankful that emotions in her neighborhood have relaxed. Linda Gaines is thankful for phone calls with her family. Abby Waters is thankful for Zoom calls and connection. I am grateful for all the sun and getting to play at Ruston with my kids. Rachel Farr is grateful for frontline workers of all types. Gwen is so thankful for church. As is Ella, gratitude for normal church, even if it is online. Craig is grateful for Brent's good feedback from recent treatments for cancer. Malia is thankful for staying tough during these tough times and staying safe during these tough times. Carolyn Van Marder Hinkle is grateful for weekly Zoom meetings with all of the Van Marder clan. Is there any other gratitude we want to know? Our hearts overflow. And it's gratitude that keeps us from being afraid, I think. Our last song is a song of freedom from fear. I invite you to sit back, relax, and enjoy it.
things go out into the world, know that the way it looks now is not the way it is always going to look. Know that we are in this together. And as we go, may we go with the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the unending love of God and the power of the Holy Spirit this day and unto your life eternal. Amen.